As a community of people, I'm holding on to some prayers, uh, and I'm really inviting you to pray with me, and we're, in, we're really asking the Holy Spirit to do a couple of things for us. One, we're asking Holy Spirit, empower us to make a new friend, to, to go, go to work with eyes open and to go to the classroom and to go out into our neighborhood and, and really be aware of the people around us and the opportunities that we have to just introduce ourselves. And so last week we did a little practice of just, you know, scripting. Okay, go say it. You know, we, I think that was a lot of fun. Some of us got to know each other, maybe got to kind of go a little bit deeper in our friendship. Uh, so I just, we just kind of went out, and there was a lot of encouragement to go to Arbor Day and look around, maybe make a new friend at Arbor Day. Uh, the guys from uh, Texas A&M were like really, really friendly, fun guys to visit with at Arbor Day. That was really fun. But I'm wondering, does anybody have any stories? I mean, we're praying this prayer. Uh, did anybody make a new friend this week? And would you like to tell us what that, just briefly about that story? That is good. Way to go, Sylvia. <laughs> and I think what Sylvia just described, I think is true for most of us, we just get stuck in a rut. And we pretty much just get stuck with the same people in the same rut. And so if we don't really pray this sort of prayer, oh, Holy Spirit, empower us to get out of our rut, to open our eyes, to see the people around us and begin to connect with people, then we, we just pretty much stick with our schedule and stick with our crowd. So could we, as, could we just agree? Let's just keep praying this prayer. Let's, what, let's see, as a community of people, what the Holy Spirit can do through us in making new friends with people that are right around and about. Yes, Rand? I just remembered I made a new friend. All right. Tell us about it. <laughs> uh, we went to National Night Out, which they had stuff in San Marcos, and we live on Belvin Street, so they had like... The whole street get together, and um, it was pretty fun. I met a guy named Tom who lived right down the street. He was a retired teacher. He taught in Bryan College Station his whole life, and then decided to retire in San Marcos. That's great. Great. There was a significant age gap, but we had lots to talk about. Hey, you know, seemingly big, (laughs) big age gap. Oh, yeah, not mental. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, great. So that's somebody to look for out and about. You've made a new friend and see where those friendships take us. Great. Good. I wasn't here last week to know what you're talking about. What, what in the world are you talking about? <laughs> um, I have been, well, we went to that Women's Day Out, which I met a lot of people. And my life has been a lot of meeting new people. I've joined a new MOPS group, and through that I've been making a lot of new friends, and making new friends gives me energy. And so I just wanted to share that, was that I, I get intimidated and kind of nervous to do it, and then when I'm done, I get home, and I'm just new pep in my step, and really excited that I went outside of my comfort zone and made a new friend, and it just gives me energy. So. Yeah. Good job, Desi. Yeah. Good. Exciting. All right, so let's, if we could, let's keep praying. And I'm going to keep asking for folks to tell us stories. We just need to encourage each other. As we shared last week, it's hard. It's hard uh, to move out of our comfort zones. Katie, were you about to say something? No. Okay. Just like you were on the edge of your seat. I just thought, you know.
Well, there was an, I had a really restless uh, night because the other part of us as a community, we were praying because, because it's very difficult to make new friends. We need encouragement. And so we read about and talked about last week that the encouragement that Paul got to hang in there, to continue to, to make new friends, to continue to tell a story came through a vision, a dream. Jesus spoke to him in the night. Keep, keep, keep it up. Paul, keep it up. Hang in there. Don't let anyone intimidate or silence you. No matter what happens, I'm with you. And no one is going to be able to hurt you. You have no idea how many of my people are in this city. And it's an amazing... I mean, he's not talking about the number of Jews that attended the synagogue in Corinth. He's not talking about this growing number of Jews and Greeks that started following Jesus. He's talking about in this city of 100 to 700,000 people that Jesus was already there, that Jesus was already introducing himself, wooing people to himself. And you just say, hey, Paul, you, you can't stay indoors you got to get out in the marketplace. you got to get around and about in town and meet these people. Tell them your story. Keep at it. And we don't know how many people came to know Jesus just simply because there's, there was this encouragement at night. So every night, I, I, I remember that we as a community, we, were gonna, we asked uh, that we would receive encouragement from Jesus through dreams or visions in the night. And so I've been waking up Mainly just praying uh, that he, that was happening. So Fabio asked me, well, did you have sweet dreams this week? I kind of had restless tossing and turning because really, I'm really serious. I think we really need encouragement. We need to hear from Jesus. So any, any story, anybody have any kind of encouragement uh, by way of a dream, Fabio? Okay, good. That's great. That's encouragement. Okay. Anybody else? Mike? I have a five-year-old dream. A five-year-old dream? Yes. It's one that's a recurring dream. It occurred five years ago. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So there are dreams that we have and hold on to, and through the years we figure out, okay, that's why, that, that's why I had that dream. So those are great. So can we, they're, they're, those are two things. I just want us as a community to really believe that there is a God and he really wants to be involved in our lives. He really wants to empower us to make new friends, to make new connections. And he really, w- he really does want to speak to us. And he really wants to encourage us because he wants to do his work through us. So we can, can we just agree that we'll, we'll just keep praying uh, those two prayers over, over our season where we are? Is that okay? Everybody agree with that? Okay, and we're just going to keep telling stories. Well, with Paul, uh, we're going to continue on because he had that dream. And he was encouraged, and so he stayed in Corinth. And we don't, again, we don't know how many people he met. We don't know how many people that started to follow Jesus because Paul stayed in that city and he kept telling the story of Jesus. But one thing I want to remind us of is that when, when Jesus appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus, he sent him into Damascus. And then Jesus spoke to Ananias. I want you to go find. I want you to go find Saul. He's on the straight street, and this is what I want you to say. I want you to commission him. So 
Ananias kind of, well, wait a minute. You know, you're, you're, don't you remember who this guy is? He's a dangerous guy. I might be in trouble. And Jesus said, I want you to go. He's going to be my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. So as we follow Paul from Asia Minor into Europe and down to Athens and Corinth, what he's been doing, he's been Jesus' instrument to deliver Jesus' message to the Jew, to the Greek. And then today, Luke just really wants to underscore to the governing authorities because Paul is going to end up in the court of Gallio. And Gallio was the proconsul of Achaia, which Achaia was a senatorial province, so it's under the Roman Empire, and it had a leader that was appointed by the emperor. And Galileo was that leader. And it just so happened that Galileo was the son of Seneca. And I think that most of us from world history probably we recognize that name, Seneca. Hmm. He was a Stoic philosopher. He was a statesman. He was a dramatist. He was the tutor, and then he became the advisor of Nero. So we're, we're seeing just exactly what Jesus told Paul. You're going to be my instrument to deliver my message to the Jew. He's been doing that in synagogues. To the Greek, he's been doing that on the streets of all these cities as he travels around. And now he's going to end up in the court of someone that's related distantly, but not so distantly, from Nero, where he is going to end up. So he's giving this message. Now, what we can also learn, it's kind of fun, just a little aside, is because of that name, uh, there's an inscription that's been found outside of Corinth that has Galileo's name in it and the year that he was there. So we can really pinpoint that Paul was right there, 51, 52 AD, that's where he was. So there's this historical accuracy about what we're reading. It's really happening the way that it's unfolding as we read it. That's fun to do. So because of encouragement, Paul stays in Corinth for a year and six months. And he keeps telling his story. He keeps delivering the message. More and more people begin to follow Jesus until. In Acts 18, 9 through 18. When Gallio was governor of Achaia province, the Jews got up a campaign against Paul and hauled him into court. And they filed charges. This man is seducing people into acts of worship that are illegal. Just as Paul was about to defend himself, literally, just as Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio interrupted and said to the Jews, If this was a matter of criminal conduct, I would gladly hear you out. But it sounds to me like one more Jewish squabble, another of your endless hair-splitting quarrels over religion. Take care of it on your own time. I can't be bothered with this nonsense. And he cleared them out of his courtroom. Now the street rabble turned on Sosthenes, the new meeting place, the synagogue president. They beat him up in plain sight of the court, and Gallio didn't raise a finger. He couldn't have cared less. So Paul stayed just a little while longer in Corinth. But then it was time to take leave of 
all of his friends. Saying his goodbyes, he sailed for Syria, Priscilla and Aquila with him, before boarding the ship in the harbor town of Censoria. He had his head shaved as part of a vow he had taken. For a year and a half, with the encouragement of Jesus speaking to him in a vision, Paul was busy. I, again, just, I just want to say that I really think what Paul did is that he, as he, he went into new friendships and he said, I have a story to tell you. You're not going to believe this story. And that story was based upon the encounter that he had with the resurrected Jesus. This Jesus that we crucified, this Jesus who we buried, that Jesus was raised from the dead and he had a conversation with me on the road to Damascus. I was once against these people that were following. I'm now for them. And so then he would go on from telling his personal story to saying, you know, all of my life as a, as a Pharisee, as a, as a rabbi, I've been studying uh, the Bible and, and now because of Jesus, I, I now see things in the Bible that I didn't see before. So can we get together? Let's have a little discussion. I want to I read these Bible passages that most of us know. And I want us to begin to insert Jesus' name where it says Messiah. Because I want you to know, without any doubt, I believe Jesus is the Messiah. And because Jesus is the Messiah, he's the king. And because he's the king, there's a kingdom that has arrived. There's the kingdom of God has arrived. It's arrived differently than what we thought it would. But it's here. So I think those are the three things. Or those are the primary things that Paul wanted people to know. His personal story. Jesus is the Messiah. And as the Messiah, the kingdom has arrived. So he's been doing that. And as he's done that, he, he started in the synagogue and several Jews started to follow Jesus and to the point he was asked to leave the synagogue. So then he either went next door or he went across the street into a God-fearer's, a, a Greek's home, and he brought people with him. So that's where he began this, this gathering of both Jew and Greeks that are now following Jesus. And we don't know how big that got. But over that year and a half, the Jews that refused to listen. You know, I, and I would really, I'm trying to think of, I mean, there, there are Jews who listened and there are Jews that didn't listen. Uh, I, I would want you to see at the end of this passage when, when Paul is taking a vow and he's shaving his head, that's a Jewish vow. So again, I would just like to underscore, Paul never stopped being a Jew. He was a Jew who followed Jesus. <laughs> He was a Jew that came to know his Messiah. We might say he's a Messianic Jew. We might say he's a completed Jew. I don't know. I don't know what terms he would have used. But I know he was a Jew who followed Jesus. And so those Jews that followed Jesus in Corinth, I mean, I, they were Jews that followed Jesus. But there are also other Jews that listened to the story that Paul told them. They, they were in on the discussion of the Bible passages that Paul would have wanted them to reread and talk about, and they just said, no, we don't believe it. We don't believe Jesus is alive, we don't believe he's the Messiah, and we don't believe that the kingdom has arrived. And that's this group. It's this group that has over the years gotten more and more and more irritated <laughs> at Paul. <laughs> and it's part of 
Jesus says, don't worry, you're not going to be harmed in this city because Paul had a history of being harmed in cities. Paul was beaten, he was stoned, he was run out of cities because of this message. And so here we are again, angry people. And they hatched a plan. You know, let's, let's go to the top governmental authority in Corinth with these charges. This is the charge. This man, this man incites men to worship God contrary to the law. What law? What law are they talking about? This man is inciting men in Corinth, people in Corinth, to worship God that's contrary to the law. But I, would, I don't think it would be the Old Testament law. Gallio was not, he wasn't an authority on the Old Testament law. It wasn't the new law in Christ. That's not, that's not anywhere yet. So it must have been Roman law. So what law could have, I mean, what law could he be breaking? And the only thing I could think of, because we don't, we're not really told, but the suggestion I would make is what's going to happen is that, that people following Jesus are saying, Jesus is Lord. And that, as we move especially towards the empire being ruled by Nero, there's going to become a breaking point because Nero, as an emperor of Rome, demanded that all of his citizens say, Nero is Lord. And so when those following Jesus came along and said, Jesus is Lord, Paul would have been one of those. There's beginning to be this clash between who who is really Lord here? Is it the Roman emperor or is it Jesus? That's the only law that I could even imagine that Paul would even come close to breaking. And yet, in this account, we're not even there yet. Because before the Bema seat, do you recognize, you ever hear about the Bema seat, that there's a Bema seat judgment for the believers? Well, the Bema seat was a real judicial bench. And before this Bema seat of Gallio, he, he, doesn't, even, he doesn't even entertain He knows, hey, this guy, there's no criminal activity. I mean, I know I'm I'm, I'm the governing authority of this city, of this province, and I know this man has not committed any crime. And so, I'm not going to accept the charges. Case closed. And then he knew the Jewish community well enough to know that over the past year and a half, they just were getting bent out of shape more and more and more and more. This had become this religious squabble, this hair-splitting, and that in his opinion, that's all it was. He said, so you've got, you've got a theological difference with this man. You, on your own, don't, I, I'm not going to help you solve that. Y'all go solve that on your own, get out of my court. And then as the crowd... <laughs> leaves his court, they get really upset. I would guess that Sosthenes, the synagogue president, was the guy that came up with the idea, hey, let's go to Galileo's court 
and and let and let's see what let's see if we can get Paul that way. And it didn't work. So you better be careful if you're hatching plans and you're trying to lead others to get somebody else accused. If it doesn't work, that crowd might turn on you. So they beat him up in the street. Gallio's watching it, and he couldn't care less. As you, you think about those events and you think about our faith, it really does bring me into our, our, our community life and things that I think that we can, we can learn and we can encourage one another from this event. The first is, you know, we really need to know the seasons. That's, that's really what was behind the video of the seasons. We, we need to know when it's fall. We need to know when it's spring. We need to know when it's summer. We need to know when it's winter. You know, as we are making new friends, we, we need to know when it's time to stay and when it's time to go. In relationship with people, especially if we want to be people that want to convince others about who Jesus is, we, we've got to really develop this sensitivity of what season are we in. With some people, we're just, in a plant, we're just going to plant seeds in their life. That's all we're going to do. Other people, we might be able to be the one that reaps. We, may even, we might, might see people that come to know Jesus and we're there when they make their initial profession of faith in Jesus. But we need to know what season it is. And, it, and there's nothing worse, it seems, as we go out and about and we, we share our faith when we're, when we're out of season. And we're trying to get somebody to do something that we want them to do, but it's not the season for that. We can't convince people that this is your moment to be born again. We don't have, we don't know, we just gotta, we gotta, we gotta follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. If we try to force the season, it doesn't work. Paul is a man that learned to be in season. He knew that his season was now over in Corinth. And it was now time for him to move on. And after a year and a half, and I would guess hundreds of people coming to know Jesus, that would have been a hard transition for him. But it was time. Time to move on. May we learn that lesson and learn it well in every relationship that we have. The second is, and just in light of this week's news... You know, sometimes our best defense is just to keep our mouths shut. And maybe that's not the American way. <laughs> you know, maybe we, we, you know, we really have this faith in our judicial system. We should be able to have our say. But folks, there comes a point when it's not about a nation's judicial system. It's about you and me being in the kingdom of God and our nation and the kingdom of God are not the same thing. And there's been no nation, no nation in the history of humanity that's ever been the kingdom of God. What our hope is, is that the kingdom, the rule of God, would influence every nation. It's not that a nation adopts the kingdom of God. And so there's going to be a point. It's happened in every nation. There's going to be a point. I would guess that the tensions between our nation and those that represent the kingdom of God will, will become, will, there'll be a, a breaking point. And there may be a day that we're hauled in, in front of a judge and 
accused of inciting people to worship God illegally. And maybe the thing that we could learn from Paul in this is maybe it's time for us to keep our mouth shut and let Jesus intervene like he did in Paul's case. Maybe that's the first option. Maybe that's the thing that we need to learn more than anything. I, I, it, I, it doesn't sound very good when you and I are defensive about our faith. Let's let Jesus defend us. In this case, a Roman official defended Paul. That'll make your head spin. I think that what we can do more than anything else, and I'm amazed that sometimes people think, well, that maybe, well, that's maybe that's passive. Well, I'm praying for those in governing authority over it. That's not passive. I mean, that's that's one of the primary activities that we're supposed to do. Notice, notice what Paul says. I mean, I think he learned this from life. I urge you. This is Paul talking to us. I urge you. Hey, local church, I'm urging you. First of all, I mean, at the top of my priority list as a local church, I urge you, pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. There's three things there. Pray for all people. Pray for all kinds of people. Pray for everybody around you. Pray, one, that God would help them. Number two, intercede for them. That would be, okay, God, I want you to help them. Now, what are you praying for these people, God? Could you kind of clue us? Because, Jesus, you're interceding. You're praying for people all around. What, What prayers are you praying? So could you let us in on how we can serve you in praying for the people around us? And then the last, give thanks for them. And then notice, pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. So what you cross over into, not, not only pray for everybody around us, but pray for those that are in governing authority over you. How are we supposed to pray for those that are in governing authority over us? Ask God to help them. Intercede for them, believing that Jesus is already interceding for those that are in authority over us. Jesus, how are you praying for? And the last is, give thanks for those that are in governing authority over us. Now again, I think that's probably a challenge for all of us to do. So maybe we should practice this morning. What do you think? How about we get in groups of five? Five people. One one person pray for city government next person for county government next person for state government next person for national government and the last for global government because there are some global governing authorities 
and pray three things. God, help them. Jesus, is there any way that you would want us to be involved with you in interceding for these? And the last, and maybe the most important, give thanks for them. I mean, even if you're mad at them, give thanks for them. All right? You're willing to go on? I mean, it's kind of an adventure, isn't it? Yeah, it is, huh? All right, so, one, two, three, ready, set, groups of five, pray, and that's the end of our morning together, okay? Five is the number of fingers on your hands, if you're, you know, 